Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Does black solidarity still make sense? The organization of Afro-American unity shall include all people of African descent in the Western Hemisphere. In the era of Obama, in the supposedly post-racial era, is there still a place for political unity amongst African Americans? Or does black solidarity further entrench racial differences? The purpose of our organization of Afro-American unity to bring about the complete independence of people of African descent. Is black solidarity still necessary to fight racial inequality? Doesn't worrying about class solidarity make more sense? We need to seek some allies among people who look something like we do. Shouldn't we be moving beyond race entirely? Our guest is Tommy Shelby, author of We Who Are Dark, Philosophical Foundations of Black Solidarity. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that start at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ken and I both teach philosophy. Our topic this week, black solidarity. Well, I have to admit, Ken, that part of me thinks that this topic is a bit, well, 20th century. When this country still suffered from rampant racism, black solidarity, people being hand-in-hand hand on the basis of their shared history, made sense. But now in the 21st century? You're, you're saying that racism is a thing of the past? Don't, don't tell me, John. You've bought into that idea that we're, we've been this post-racial age due to Obama and all that stuff. No, no, racism isn't a thing of the past, but things have changed. I mean, Obama is black, and he is president. In the 40s, 50s, and 60s when I grew up, racism confronted black people at every turn. We, we really don't live in that country anymore. I agree with you. Thank God for that. But there are still lots of things that impact the lives of black people disproportionately and negatively. I mean, our lousy schools, the, the flood of jobs from the urban core, and our out-of-control prison system. That's one of my big bugbears. Those are social ills, but they're racial ills, too. They're 21st century racial ills, and they give plenty of reasons for black people as black people to band together to fight them, I think. Okay, but now what exactly is this thing, blackness, that you want black people to unite around? Well, John, that's a complicated thing. I admit that. I mean, black people are a diverse lot. There's no one thing that black people all share that makes us all black people, not skin color, not genetic makeup, not cultural heritage, not political outlook. Black is what Wittgenstein used to call a family resemblance term, like the term game. Just as games come in all sizes and shapes and all different ways they're realized, well, with no common essence between them. The same with black people, no common essence between us. Well, you're kind of making my point for me. Two arbitrary black people may have less in common with each other than either has with some random non-black person. Take two upper-middle-class professionals, one black, one white, maybe you and one of your neighbors. 
Maybe they went to the same elite schools, maybe Notre Dame and the University of Chicago, and live in the same bucolic suburb, maybe Los Altos. Okay. They're likely to have more in common with each other than either has in common with an undereducated, underemployed, poor person, black or white. Well, John, that, that may be true. I'm willing to grant that. But it just doesn't follow from that that race doesn't matter. Look, race substantially affects your chances of ending up in that elite school in the first place. I'm not saying that race is the be-all, end all of our social and political lives anymore like it was in the bad old days, but it still matters. And because race still matters, racial solidarity is still important and and still valid. So how far are you willing to go with it? Suppose our two upper middle class professionals each wants to ameliorate the plight of the poor. Would it be all right for each of them to have a special concern and solidarity with the members of their own race? rather than the poor in general? Well, you know, that depends on whether you're talking black or white. I mean, I think it's okay for the privileged black guy to have special concern for the disadvantaged black people out of a sense of black solidarity. Actually, I think it's more than okay. I'd be bothered if he didn't feel a sense of racial solidarity. And a white guy, same for him? Uh, there, I have to admit, I find the very idea of white solidarity disturbing, e- even frightening. Well, just to get clear here, I strongly suspect that Latino solidarity, Jewish solidarity... Women's solidarity, Armenian solidarity, gay solidarity are all just fine with you. It's just poor, otherwise undistinguished white guys like me that don't get to have solidarity. What's the difference? Well, that's the well-to-do black. Let's take the well-to-do black guy's solidarity with his disadvantaged brother. That feels to me like a legitimate response to race-based oppression. But the privileged white guy solidarity with his less well-off brethren, you know what that feels like to me? It feels like an attempt to propagate white privilege downward. But you're assuming that a disadvantaged white person is less disadvantaged than a disadvantaged black person. Well, I am assuming that, John. That's because whatever other economic or social disadvantage the white person may have, there's one disadvantage he, he doesn't have. He doesn't have a racial disadvantage. Well, it sounds like you believe that the white guy has some racial privilege. You really believe that some racial privilege is associated with being poor, white, and undereducated in America in the 21st century? Uh, you know, now that you put it so sharply, I'm not, I'm not sure I would say that. I wouldn't go that far. Look, guys, the global economy, I admit this, is grinding down our working class and our poor, black and white, without any regard to racial differences. In that struggle, we're all in it together. If you think that way, shouldn't you be promoting economic equality and justice for all without regard to race? I believe in those things. I'm not denying that. But why can't a concern for those things go along with black solidarity? Racial solidarity, I'm not saying it's the only thing we should care about. It's just one form of solidarity among others, but it is one form among others. It seems to me that makes things a lot more complicated. I mean, what happens when different forms of solidarity pull us in different directions? Which form of solidarity is more important than why? Those are hard questions and important questions. And to help us begin to find some answers, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Ash, to talk to some black people about what racial solidarity means in their own lives. She files this report. Martin Luther King Day at Allen Temple Baptist Church. Reverend Daniel Buford had a message for the dozens of residents who turned out to clean up a blighted neighborhood in East Oakland. What you see before you today, you would not have seen 50 years ago in the United States. We have an Asian woman that is a mayor of a major city. Amen. We have a congresswoman who is African-American, who voted against the war in Iraq. 
we have a city council president that's an African-American. So this is what Dr. King's dream was about. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, we have an African-American president to give us his day off. So we have a lot to be thankful for. Standing beside Reverend Buford was Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Many of us believe that always was the way it is. And I always remind my younger brothers and sisters, my grandchildren, I couldn't go to public schools because I was black. I couldn't drink out of the water fountain unless it said colored only. I couldn't travel from Texas to California unless it was on the colored only uh, train. Lee's father was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. She says he served 25 years in two wars, and still she recalls being denied access to restaurants. And I share this with you because we've come a long way. But you know what? What you're doing to do reminds us of how much further we have to go. The congresswoman called on residents of this mostly black neighborhood troubled by poverty and violence to help get the guns off the streets. And that raises the question, how important is ethnic solidarity in achieving these goals? We still suffer from chains and images of psychological slavery. We may not be enslaved by chains anymore, but there's a psychology that keeps us in a prison cell. Marcus Shelby is an educator, musician, and composer. He recently released Soul of the Movement, Meditations on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Shelby spent four years researching and traveling through the South, from Memphis to Birmingham, to really know the stories he vaguely learned about. Stories of the Little Rock Nine, of Emmett Till, and the Montgomery bus boycotts. Shelby says knowing history is crucial to understanding the present, and music is a major part of that. What did keep black solidarity strong in many cases was the music, because the music spoke out against such nonsense. Whether it was spirituals and, or freedom songs like This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine, or whether it was a song like Ain't Gonna Let Nobody Turn Me Around. These songs gave a sense of strength and solidarity, and it rewrote what the image of black people should be like to combat racism, segregation, break the chains of slavery. Shelby says black solidarity has been necessary historically, but these days it's the widening gap between rich and poor that he believes should unite people. Solidarity has to be shared not only with just people who share the plight that you do, and that may be people who have the same skin color, but I think the income disparity, uh, the lack of people who have a voice where these decisions are making are just as critical. If Americans can collectively decide to stamp out poverty-related social injustices, Shelby says we'd all be better off. Because if you're poor, no matter if you're black or white, you still have the thumb of our system on your neck. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Ash. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.